We're back on the TV podcast with Doctor Who Series 8, Episode 10. The last episode before the big two-part finale. It is In the Forest of the Night by a well-known writer of uh, screenplays and and books, Frank Cottrell Boyce. Uh, Joining me to talk about it is Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. Hello. Thank you for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Well, I don't. I don't know if you, um, if you know about Frank Cottrell Boyce. He wrote. He wrote Millions, uh, the book and the movie script, and that's actually a, that's a Danny Boyle movie that I I love. Actually, I love that a lot. Um, and then he also did the 2012 Summer Olympics opening ceremony. Oh, which was yeah. You know, I don't know his work, but I I don't think I know his work. But um, I watched it, and I thought it was one of the best things ever to do with any kind of show that was not specifically. Uh, intended to be televised entertainment, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was fantastic and weird. And actually, the British people I know felt like it actually was a celebration of their country's best attributes and was not awful. It was an astounding feat. Yeah, and my my uh, my wife, the children's librarian who was on last week's episode, uh, was very excited to to see this episode because uh, he is a really great children's book author and has won he won the Carnegie Medal for Millions. And won a, a UK uh, Guardian Prize for the Unforgotten Coat. So he's a I, he's a well loved uh, children's writer too. I do not know why I do not know his work, but now I shall seek it out. Yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting writer. Millions also really good uh, good movie. I like that a lot. So and this this so the story is uh you know there are going to be people who hate this episode. I know because I could find them on Twitter um, because it is a fable. It is not. You know, it's not all the uh, Chip Sutterth always likes to talk about that. Um, the and it's a quote from somebody who I can't re- ever remember his name, but he, they refer to Doctor Who as a, a genre machine. That it can be, it can be any <laughs> any genre. And, and and there are some people, especially I think sci-fi fans, who really like their the the sci and their fi. Um, don't like it when Doctor Who gets too mythical and too much like uh, like uh, a fable and a fairy tale, and that's what this episode is. This episode is there's no doubt about it. the The magical forest that we see at the very beginning. How did it get here? There doesn't seem to be any scientific reason it could be here. Um, and and that that tone really survives throughout this entire episode. This is this is a a fable. It is a fairy tale. And in fact, at, at one point, the Doctor says uh this is why there are forests and fairy tales this stuff happens all the time and you forget that's your superpower and all that's left are the fairy tales so he's saying we are in a fairy tale right now that's what this episode was it's a good echo because as river song said all the wizards turn out to be him yeah right (laughs) but i think that's a great theme yeah you start with little red riding hood running through the forest escaping what we assume is a big bad wolf wolf. and Mm. which turns bad wolf Nah, no, uh, <laughs> not that kind of wolf. Oh, I'm sorry. And turns out later, the original. Now we've wrapped all the way back around. Oh, we, yes, this this show wraps around. Uh, right, a little yeah. girl alone in the forest, and she finds instead of Hansel and Gretel's house, which also Hansel and Gretel comes up because she, uh, in a couple of different ways, that she finds the TARDIS. And and also, it's a little red haired girl in a school uniform. I know, sense beyond her own, but has more power than anyone could imagine. Uh, she possesses, although even though she's a minor character, she's fleshed out uh, a little bit. But I, it's just, you know, th- this is the thing. So Doctor Who can go, as you say, it's a, it's a genre machine, but it can go in a bunch of different directions in terms of how it approaches, um, let me know, some of its sets and budgets. You know, the, the, there's the, um, the quarry in Wales. We've seen quite a lot sure. of over the years. But so, so forgetting the budget issue, but it sometimes goes very strong. We're on another planet. Everything's peculiar and we're running around a lot or we're in corridors and we're running around a lot. And then there is what I think is one of the ways in which it, if it doesn't overuse it, it does it best is this is a familiar thing. We know it and everything is wrong. And that genre, like all the people are gone. All the buildings are gone. Uh, the Cybermen are in London suddenly everywhere. Those kinds of things I think actually are – I mean it's one of the legs in which it stands. This is a, such a classic thing. It's London. No, no time travel is involved. There's just trees everywhere overnight and everyone's confused by it, including the Doctor. It's sort of a wonderful – it's almost like a locked forest mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's not a parallel universe where there's a forest instead of London. <laughs> it's not that the buildings aren't there. It's not that the people aren't there and the underground station and the cellular phone service. That's all there. They're just overnight – I mean really this is – uh, in the context of a fable, in the context of a children's book, th- this 
show starts, this episode starts with uh, one morning, everyone in London woke up to discover that overnight a forest had grown. That is how this episode starts. And you got to kind of get go with it because that's the idea here is that how could that how could this be? But this is where we are. By the way, I want to mention it's Matt Hills is the name of the guy who says the TARDIS is itself a genre machine, not just a time machine. It's, that's a wonderful way to look at it. And yeah. right, and so so there are cla- like the fans that go way back, and some of them who prefer uh, the earlier series before the reboot, uh, they often find something missing. Like I think we talked about this earlier in the season. If I can be, if we can do the meta step for a moment, is I think one of the best episodes this season is, of course, listen. I think it's a chilling, mm-hmm. wonderful, perfect thing. Um, and it fits as a piece, but a lot of people uh, from what we can tell, not everybody, but a good portion didn't like it because uh, there was nothing in it at some level. Right. And in this one, there is something which we'll talk about, but it's, it's not it's more of a puzzle in the head it's a conceptual thing through which we see the characters literally work out their problems with each other and um and there's some i was actually in tears at the end i was in tears multiple times at the end mm-hmm. i was really stunned by how moved i was by it but it still is more of a we're not sure what's going on there are big bad things in the woods, maybe, and and something's not right. As opposed to ah, there's a monster right. covered in silver that's running after it. it's sucker covered in suckers. Right there, there's no which I love those too. I love those too, though. Yeah, there's no there's no monster here, uh, in in a sense. It, it, yeah, there are some animals in the in the forest, but there, there's no there's no monster. It's uh, it's a mystery to be solved. And I guess the monster in the end is the solar flare that's going to wipe out the the Earth, or so they think. But uh, this is well, I think yeah. Before we, there's some there's something going on with the solar flares. It was, but, but again, a a child lost in the woods doesn't need a monster necessarily for it to be uh, a story and for it to be scary because it's mm. a for the child is lost in the woods the the monster could be there the monster might not be there but the the child being lost in the woods is the thing that makes it a story and that's what this episode is essentially is uh, all of our all of our friends including a lot of uh, kids from Coal Hill school are are lost in the woods and why did the woods get there and and aren't trees supposed to be friendly um and that's the that's the big picture here is 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 that it's it's this fable of how, why why are the trees uh why why did they come and what are they trying to do which we and find where out. the heck is the lorax and come where on. where the lorax is not available for this so the lorax's agent uh, put the kibosh on that so um the, this in terms of in terms of what happens in this episode, I mean, what we end up with is that is that this young girl Maeve comes to the doctor and says, "I um, says Ms. Oswald, uh, Miss Oswald sent me to you." I, I well, she didn't. I sort of heard her voice in my head, which is a which I think is a, a tip off, and she mentions Mister Pink. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and the, again, we get one of these fleeting references to the doctor. Um, having a history with Cole Hill School, where he says, "I know all about your school," but it's just kind of move. It's not a not a big deal is made. He just mentions it, right? Um, and he also talks about being the last of his species, which gets a gets a payoff later. But I haven't That's heard good. Peter Capaldi refer to himself as that, especially since we know the Gallifrey is out there somewhere. Before that, that is a, an interesting uh, uh, callback. And then we get a GPS saying, you have reached your destination, which made me laugh. <laughs> that was new. The new voice of the TARDIS. Yeah, he's really just trying out the GPS. The terrestrial navigation he doesn't, he, Yeah, he just doesn't believe that they could possibly be there. But that's the, that's the payoff of the, uh, of the teaser of the episode is that the forest is in Trafalgar Square. There's the lion. There's the column with Nelson on top. And uh, somehow a, a, a forest has grown in the center of London, which I thought was a really nice kind of almost whimsical, but also what a great like what kind of opening for for an episode. Yeah, and it's perfect fairy tale tie-in. Which I mean, that's I think they use that to their advantage later. Is that uh, there are so many fairy tales in which things grow overnight, like crazy amounts of yeah. things—a giant beanstalk, a forest, uh, you know, uh, someone spins gold overnight. Like all these things that happen that are implausible that happen overnight, but there's often trees or woods. Um, the well, woods I'm- are. Your place of danger and so forth. In Totoro, in My Neighbor Totoro, the great uh, Miyazaki movie, there that's the the you know the 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 tree spirits are the what the Totoros are, and then overnight the two girls see a giant tree grow and they have an adventure, and then they wake up in the morning and the tree is gone. Right? I mean, this is a this is at the center of so much of our uh, various cultures, mythologies about this sort of thing: trees and things happening overnight in the forest, and it's just all it's all there. Um, 
Well, b- it, interesting, by the way, they, um, Dan- Danny and Clara and the kids are in apparently the same museum, the Natural History Museum that was in the Big Bang. Yes, that was a nice touch. Yeah. And, they, and I, I happen to know I have an English friend who he and his family do sleepovers in museums. Not, I haven't heard about that one, but in the British Museum they've done sleepovers. And so it's, uh, it's factually, a factually based uh, circumstance. Yeah. yeah. And they wake up and discover that there are, that there are, are trees everywhere. Um, Clara discovers that, that this young girl, Maeve, who was with their group, has wandered off and found the doctor – um, and the, this group is a group of kids with issues, it turns out. She calls them gifted and talented because it makes them but feel better. But she's lying. But she's, them, she's lying. She's lying. Although the, not before the doctor gets a, uh, gets a shot in uh, by saying, even my life is too short for Les Miserables, which made me laugh. Um, <laughs> it seemed unnecessary. But okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Peter Capaldi being cranky. Yeah. Um, that was but, good. Or in cheek when Maeve comes to the door. I mean, I, I even like the fact when he comes to the door that he's just trying to foist her off. Like previous doctors just be like, oh, a little girl knocking on my door. How peculiar. He's like, no, no, I'm it's busy. over there. I'm busy. Go away. It's, it, it's over there. Just go yeah. over there. But she talks her she talks her way in, um, and he describes her to Clara as you know the usual young feel, female human standard defenseless girl. <laughs> it's just like it's another one of these kids. It's what what do you want me to do with this? Uh, um, and then you know Clara and Danny. Uh, he sees that she's on the phone. She says uh, she lies to him again. The, the the lying about her continuing relationship with the doctor continues. I don't, you know, he's obviously not even buying it then. But she's like, oh, yeah, I called the school. I guess I left a message. Well, uh, I flatline, wasn't it clear in flatline that she was lying to him or they apparently never talked about it afterwards? Yeah, I think this is right <laughs> after that, right? And then the, so they get in an argument and the kids have a funny line where it's like, you know, I thought you said they were in love, but they're shouting. That's what people do when they're in love. Don't you know? Anything the girl says is pretty funny. I did like the highly localized shout out to the Oyster card, the uh, the mass transit card that is used as stored value. Uh, I think RFID card, <laughs> like very yeah. like wow, that's pretty London for a show that goes worldwide now. But I appreciate it. The I like the um, uh, there's a great bit where they're talking about how, that how um, trees communicate, and Maeve says that they you know they they do communicate a bit though because they you know they they bloom at the same times and all that and this is really nice where she's pushing back on the doctors like yeah trees you know all this intellect and it's useless you know what use is that against trees trees are stupid and and you know she says they do communicate he he debates that he says they don't send a group message on tree facebook you know which but they do made the, me I mean, laugh it was very uh, odd scientific thing as my wife is a horticulturist and uh, by training and uh, uh and i think it's a well-known fact that trees now are they do communicate they send out uh, uh pheromones and other kinds of things that yeah. trigger they'll trigger an immune response across a bunch of related plants when they're being attacked and i thought that was the direction they were going and you know what's interesting well, it comes up a little later is the doctor seems to be disabled by wood he's like the green lantern from uh yeah. Earth 2, i think right well he says and it's wood. like this is not i you know i do science this is trees this is life yeah, and i, I don't like, do this it is but he's like if it doesn't send out a signal and i'm like but you deal with you know, uh, uh, like large objects that are space, like suns and things. And I'm like, oh, but those send out; those are those are generating electromagnetic signals. But right. sort of like anything that's alive and has no technology in it. The the wood Cyberman in the uh, right in the uh, Day of the Doctor. Yeah, uh, and Time and of the Doctor, well, right? and he's wrong, right? I mean, he, he says they don't send a group message on Tree Facebook. That's actually what they are doing because this right. is a a response by all the trees. And and Maeve calls him on it right then and says, yeah. "You don't need a friend to communicate. I know my mother is worried about me, and we haven't communicated." Which is when we see her mother, and and uh, of course Maeve also she's she's got special sight so she's seeing things that are ne- not necessarily there. But anyway, it's a funny moment where the doctor is put in the the role of. Enemy of trees, antagonist against the trees, which he turns around on fairly quickly. But he's frustrated because he can't. Trees aren't as easy to figure out for him, you know. And and it plays off of that sonic screwdriver doesn't work on wood. He's like, look, this is just wood. There's nothing here. There's nothing. He's looking for like special like robot trees, and there are not. They're just trees. There's another thing he's never seen before, which always like frustrates yeah. him. Well, sometimes it's interesting. Like he's he's often I've never seen this before. I want to take a moment. Right. And this time around, he's like I've never seen this before. But my sonic screwdriver doesn't work, so I'm just going to throw up my hands for a little bit. Right. To be frustrated. At, by at, it. at which point, Clara turns to Danny and says, <laughs> "He's just playing for time. He's going to figure it out. This is what he does. He gets frustrated and says he can't figure it out, and then he figures it out. Nice little commentary on on this. We've all seen it. This is how it works. And as she's saying he's playing for time, he says time. 
interesting. A tree is a time machine. And he's off again. And, he, and she's like, there it is. There. Well, and that turned out to be a, a red herring, too, which was good as he was he was thinking about, oh, maybe someone planted these backwards in time. If there's time. And yeah. it wasn't. Again, that wasn't there it. Wasn't, but it was it was good. I don't mind having the red herrings yeah. because he's, he's yeah. saying, ah, oh, this is something I understand. It's like, no. This could be an I invasion where they use it. time to grow the trees overnight in some sort of time field and all that. And that's not it at all. But he does work that that problem out. Uh, which which is nice. Um, uh, they they we get the kids in the TARDIS, and one of them says, "What are the round bits for?" And the, all the doctor <laughs> says is, "Ask your teacher." <laughs> it's like I'm not going to answer you. But um, there's a nice moment where, um, and this this is one of the themes here is that Maeve is one of these children who's been very disturbed since her sister went missing, and they've been like she's been on various like medications they've been giving her drugs uh, and this is a commentary on perhaps the over medicating of children in our society and this is the moment where the doctor says you know wait a second don't 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 give her pills if a, and he says if a child is speaking listen to it and I, 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 I that, I'm fascinated by that on another level because I'm not sure whether he means the inf- it it is the information or it is the child like whatever right, right. just listen to it <laughs> It might, but his point is, you got to listen to the children, not just kind of like damp them down. Oh, and he said in multiple times this episode, it's a little. Uh, it's he's. I don't want to say he's humble. He's a little more humble, maybe, but he he's winds up listening more and admitting he's wrong more. That he yeah. keeps putting himself in a situation where he's like, "All right, here's what we're going to do." It's like, no, that's really not the right course of action. Like, or the <laughs> I did love that was a callback to Dave the Doctor was uh, was Maeve running away from the wolves and they're like, "Give me a boost, get me off," and she goes and tries the gate. And it's open and she goes to the gate oh like, yeah oh, that's nice. nice yeah well, she's got that vision right she doesn't need to do that because she knows there's a gate down there she <laughs> so she just goes over to the gate there's there's a nice creepy moment that again i feel like is this red herring like like you said we've we've heard about the time thing clara and the doctor go outside and as they go outside the traffic lights turn off and and and, and 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 the, all the power goes out and then the column of nelson topples over and it really has made when you know what's happening in the end, it you realize this is all just really a red herring. This is not uh, the mysterious evil force that's invading the Earth. But at that point, we're supposed to think that, and so that adds yeah, to, to to it being ominous. Um, and uh, that that around in there is when they have the conversation about uh, about how she. Uh, knows this from stories and fairy tales, and and the doctor says the forest is mankind's nightmare, which I thought it's was a weird a, thing to say. Is the forest our nightmare? Well, there's all these all these fairy tales that probably it's because culturally they were they were told by people who lived in forests. I mean, a lot of those gothic fairy tales from that are from like Germany, and they're they, the forest was there. And, oh, it's, it's true. It's like everything dangerous. You get lost. You hurt yeah, yourself. It's all, you get attacked by animals. Yeah, because you're disoriented in there and there are animals in there and all of that. It's also the, untamed nature. I mean, there's all yeah. the things. There's, you know, there's, there's a, a, there's a, uh, physiological things about you know men and women's relations and so forth and bodies and symbolism there but there's also like sure. the forest is untamed and you know London suddenly being devoured by forest even though the buildings are all standing is terrifying for people uh, I think they I think they're playing that out with the proxy of Maeve's uh, mother who uh, we don't get to know her name I guess and she or I don't think and she uh, you know, it's sort of like a little bit of a slapstick, almost like uh, Jackie uh, uh, Rose's mom in the earlier series, um, where she's sort of a proxy for someone who's a little bit seemingly helpless and then is resourceful. And in fact, the bit where she's, uh, you know, she's she's well, you were supposed to pick her up, and you know, so you know, there's a single mom, like right. there's a divorce or something, maybe because of the missing daughter. So there's a backstory. You sort of feel she's running around. Then she sees the trees, and she's in a later scene. She's trying to figure out how to get there, mm-hmm. talking to her other parent, and then she finds a bike and she goes off. And I was, I was really touched by that as a very small story element that the, he had thought about. She wasn't discarded. She was trying to get to her daughter, and it wasn't this heroic getting a machete and running through whatever. It was she found a bicycle because that was the thing that let her get closer to where her daughter was going to be. It was neat. Yeah, I, I agree. And and we've had a lot of callbacks in this episode too, I think, or resonances of the the uh, doctor the uh, what's it called the, the doctor the widow and the wardrobe yes and include I mean we have the least tree. notable of all the Christmas specials oh yeah so uh, <laughs> a, you know a lot of trees and yep. people seeing things and then a you know a very powerful mother who mm-hmm. also rides a bike in that episode as well people in England ride bikes I understand this but it still. does it does happen um, this is also the moment where the um, 
where the plot pivots into where it's finally the direction it's finally going in, which is we discover there's a solar flare coming to Earth. He says, like the one that destroyed the bank in the mm-hmm. time heist. Um, he, he says you left basically your, the, your grading of your homework for your kids. You left it in the TARDIS. And uh, Maeve has drawn the solar flare and uh, and she's drawn it and written today's date on it, mm-hmm. even though this was turned in last week. So she uh, it's now obvious that Maeve coming to the doctor and having received this message and all of this is she's she's special. She knows what's going on. And that, and 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 then we're off and we have a little bit of action where there's the howl of the wolf and they run away from the wolves. And she knows, where, like we said, where the gates are and goes through. And then there's a tiger comes because the wolves are afraid. What are they afraid of? Um, and that was an interesting combination. I think there's like like a CGI tiger briefly. And then there's like a tiger in super close up that's like <laughs> matted in from stock footage. And I thought they did a pretty good job with the tiger, given that they didn't have a tiger. My connection was stuttering. So sometimes I was in low res and sometimes HD. So it's harder to, harder to tell. But the, uh, I thought that was also reasonable too. It's, it was the, you know, what's a reasonable repercussion of the city? You know, you're going to lose water, you're going to lose power, uh, that kind of thing. And then, um, and then uh, you're going to have animals like, you know, 12 monkeys. Why are there yeah. animals roaming the city and 12 yeah. monkeys? They escaped because the zoo. the zoo was, yeah, exactly. It's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and Danny Pink saves the day by shining a light in the tiger's eyes and the tiger runs away. And and, 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 and so the group's all back together. And then again, we get the, um, please give her her tablets. Maeve is seeing something and she's batting things away like she's seeing something in front of her face and they want to give her her tablets because they think that she's got something wrong with her. Whereas the kids are like, give her the tablets. Please, please give her the tablets. And the doctor's like, no, you know, she's seeing something. And he uses the sonic screwdriver to make these little firefly kind of like, like things visible because she explains – or the doctor says the forest is communicating with you and no one else. And, and she says, I keep having thoughts that come to me. And then we hear the voice of the trees that, that speaks through her um, in that moment. And they, and they, it is, yes. Then the Lorax's um, understudy comes and and says, we're the life that prevails. We hear the call and we come, Um, uh, you know, and uh, you're, you're hurt. Bombadil there. Because it was, it was. We're here before you. We're going to be here after you. Yeah, we don't know you. They say to the doctor, which is interesting. Which, which is like, see, the doctor and the the trees just don't get along. But they say specifically in that moment, the sun that creates, the sun that destroys. um, And the doctor says, "Why did you come to see me?" And she says, "It's just a thought that came to me. I think it came from Miss, from Clara." So, so he realizes that you know this this is now the sequence of events is starting to happen. Um, this is the moment when I realized what the plot was. Like, I, I, I this is the moment where I realized what the resolution of the story is. And and honestly, I, I at this moment I thought Doctor Who could not be better. Like this is not necessarily like this is the best episode of Doctor Who, but this is Doctor Who at his best in having this kind of mythical story and this kind of air of wonder, some funny lines, some interesting character dynamics all kind of mixed together. Um, The back 15 minutes of this episode from this point on, I didn't think was as strong. Part of that is because this is the moment where I thought, oh, well, we already learned because we saw like guys with a flamethrower earlier. We already learned the trees are fireproof. The solar flare is coming. The trees didn't respond. What I expected was going to happen because I'm a Doctor Who fan. I expected they were going to try to burn the trees, and the trees going to reach out branches and kill and those kill guys. and kill those guys. Although, yeah. Although it seemed out of keeping for the sort of very more uh, children's focus of this episode, there, there was like a little danger, but easily resolved, and no one had died. There didn't right. know, you know. But the trees, the trees going, you know, the trees aren't bad guys, right? That, that yes, that's proven that we'd already seen. Like the trees are actually right. not whatever's going on. They're not trying to kill anybody. Maybe they're trying to preserve. The, I mean, even when they when it was fireproof, when they show that the leaves won't burn i thought oh this is something weird like maybe they're going to save the planet and not the people this is the cleansing Uh, of the earth thought or whatever yeah but so at this moment i'm like oh well the trees came to save people this is what it is the trees are going to cover the earth they're fireproof they will stop the solar flare and then everybody will be fine and and and, uh you know i i liked uh, uh, up to the very end i liked this episode anyway but this is the moment where i was like oh i figured it out and i hate i hate it when i figure it out mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of steps before everybody else does because it gets a little it gets a little bit of frustrating um they, they decide basically that um they're going to go back to the tardis theoretically to save all the kids and let them be, repopulate the earth except when they get there clara says yeah we're not going to do that right these kids are scared and they want their parents i'm not quite sure i buy that where it's like you know so 
she's basically saying, I'd rather these kids burn to death here rather than survive and <laughs> and become adults because odd. they'd be sad that they were orphans. It's like, I don't actually agree with that at all. I think that's kind of crazy. I mean, yes, it would be too bad if the kids were orphans and they would really miss their parents and that would be sad. But at the same time, if they're going to repopulate the species and the other alternative is that that, that humanity dies out... I would take the repopulation of the species by sad orphans, right? I would take that. But Clara has decided that her role as, as caregiver to these kids, uh, they're better off burning to death. There's a there's actually <laughs> a two-novel series by, is it Greg Bear? I can't remember, called, oh, I'm blanking out of the name. It's a science fiction novel in which in the first part, I don't want to give spoilers away, but something catastrophic happens. And the second has to do partly with revenge. And there's uh, all these kids are basically picked to help for the revenge mission because they were affected and they have to live long enough to get to where mm. they're going to commit the act of revenge. And I thought, you know, there's a little bit of the like, wait, the children, <laughs> they're going to be the only descendants. Not like, I mean, she gets to that point where she's like, I don't want to be the last one of my species. And I knew she was going to say that. Like yeah. you could tell he's like, ah, oh, and she's like, oh, don't make me say it. It wasn't going to be, I didn't expect her to say, well, you know, you're a Pratt. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with you in a box. It was more like, ah, I'm just not, I can't do the thing you're doing. It's yeah. too hard and I don't have the whatever. But I I did think it was odd that she was willing to sacrifice all the children. Um and then the but the I was actually I did I found it sweet though that I mean, I think she was thinking what life is there for them, but still you could save ten people. You should save them. Maybe, yeah. probably, probably. I would probably save the kids. And you could do anything in time and space. They could, if they, yeah. you don't want them to repopulate the Earth. You could have go them somewhere go somewhere else. And yes, again, they would be sad, people. but they yeah. would be alive. And uh, yeah, you know. And this is one of those cases where I have to say it. This is the writer wanting it to wanting to have those moments with Clara and exactly. and the Doctor. And so, and wanting to have the doctor come and tell them the facts later on in the in the episode, oh. and so they make a so Clara and Danny make a stupid decision that doesn't really make sense because the story needs them to, and that you know that knocked some bloom off the rose for me. Even though there, I do like the scene with Clara and the doctor, I think it's a really cool scene. That's I what, like it had me in tears because I thought it was a very like forgetting it, once you forget the fact of the children, like yeah. the, you know, and then his thing, and then you know his. Statement uh, repeating what she said at the end of what was the episode. It was not that it was uh, earlier in the season. The caretaker, I think, is when she says, "You know, you walk on this plant. You know, you walk this earth. You breathe our air." And he says that back to her, uh, and she's like, "Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. Thank you. And now it's time for you to go because there's other people you can save somewhere else. We're done. Right? You know, this is it." So. Uh, and you could also say the reason she didn't want to save the children is that, like, you know, there's their lives, but she'd rather be with – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because the futility of trying to repopulate from – I don't know. I do, like the, like, I do like the line, I know the only way to get you back to the TARDIS is to make you think you're saving <laughs> someone. That was really oh, good. We missed one thing earlier, which was a little nice moment, which was when uh, <laughs> is when uh, Danny says to her, you've been traveling with them all this time. She's like, how do you know? It's like you didn't say hello. Yeah. And, uh, that's perfect. It's a nice little observational thing showing how observational he is, that he's tuned into it. And it's true. It's just you pick up it's, – it's, you know, if you hadn't, hadn't seen him in months, it would be a whole different thing. And it's right. true. Um, he, he does say – the doctor says, this is my world too, which I like. And then Clara mm-hmm. absolves, uh, absolves him of it. But I, I, it does bother me sometimes when there's this implication that the doctor and Earth aren't – don't have a special relationship because that's – not true that he's right. essentially adopted the earth and uh so in the, anyway uh even though we've all figured out or many of us have figured out that the trees are fireproof and that is relevant when a solar flare is coming <laughs> to hit the earth the doctor doesn't yet and goes into the tardis and leaves and is sad and then stares at the screen and realizes at that moment and says at least he says this he says i am dr idiot goes back oh wait now one second though there is one point it's not that the leaves are fireproof. That's actually a faint, right? Because it's that they're generating oxygen. Well, it's both as the airbag. It's both. They're, they're generating up. oxygen for they're for also... the airbag, and then and then the fireproof forest saves from the from the flames. Right. It's a it's a one two, uh, completely bogus scientifically, but whatever. Exactly. Uh, one fa- fable. <laughs> I'll just go with it. Uh, it's the one two crunch. So he he runs back in. There's a line about the class, uh, great class project save the earth, um, and you know that, it, and it's all fine. Um, the, the, um, 
the re- remainder of my notes are mostly character notes because at this mm-hmm. point, yeah, we save the earth, the, or the tree save the earth, and they send out. There's a scene which, again, I didn't love. My my love for the episode has come off the peak of that moment and <laughs> is is draining away now as we go forward. We see a scene very reminiscent of a bunch of Russell T. Davis episodes where they wire up uh, the the phone network to communicate oh, yes. with people not to not to kill the trees because the trees are trying to save us, which I felt was a little half-hearted that it wasn't really, the plot was, you know, barely that they were going to do defoliate, defoliant. And they couldn't have done it on any scale. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, maybe you could, part of the city would get burned, but you know, they weren't going to be able to in the time frame that was left yeah. to make any difference. It yeah. didn't make any sense. So I, I didn't, I didn't like the idea that we were going to send a, me- a message out using magic to the entire world saying, don't hurt the trees. I thought that was a little too on the nose as, <laughs> (laughs) a don't hurt the trees lorax kind of moment and and also kind of uh not earned in the sense that that i didn't feel like we really it's not like there would have been a whole subplot about how people were trying to destroy the trees there was like the scene with the guys in the fire suits and the call on the radio that they hear about defoliage and that that's it like I, I did like you can tell um, this wonderful thing when you watch children through the ages in Doctor Who, the what they possess. And now all children have cell phones. And yeah. I think that's new this season. Even. I'm not <laughs> sure they're emphasizing it. All those kids, of course they do. And they're all iPhones and little protected, <laughs> protected little, cases. little cases. Yeah. Oh, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I, the phone thing, whatever. But uh, what I do like is Danny says something that I thought was really interesting. As we're trying to decode the mystery of Danny Pink, who we, I hope we'll be learning more about in the season finale. But um, he talks again about his time as a soldier. And the line that I wrote down that I thought was really interesting is, I didn't try too hard to survive, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. did. And this goes back to what we've heard before, which is, yeah. you know, yeah, he yeah. was he was kind of, you know – he he had it bad, like to the point where he wasn't trying to kill himself necessarily, but he wasn't trying to to live. Mm-hmm. And now he has an appreciation for life. And I think we don't know the details, but it's very clear. I feel like I, I know enough about who Danny Pink is to have him say a line like that and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I get well, that from Danny Pink. There's a lot of uh, I mean, th- there's like so many varieties of soldier across the Doctor Who, like the reboot part specifically, I think more so than, say, the unit people in the in the past or soldiers on other planets in the past where there's so much more indifference. And, and you know, we have the episode with the inside the Dalek where the woman's like, can I come with you? It's like, eh, you're a soldier or the doctor's daughter or uh, all the church soldiers in that future point in which the you know that comes up again with the uh, with the end of um, the Amy Pond, uh, you know, rubber song. Uh, uh, arc, the silence arc, um, all those soldiers. And it's, it's interesting because I think the, the showrunners, at least, if not maybe the scriptwriters, they provide some depth to soldiers, even as Doctor Who is sort of condemning them. There are so many we sympathize with. And Danny Pink is yet another one where he's not trigger happy. He has a way of thinking about deferring to certain kinds of authority and rejecting other kinds uh, and about sort of proper procedures and what's done, even though it sounds like he doesn't respect that, but I think it's a very consistent trait. I think they've been rounding him out quite well about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm liking Danny Pink. I'm liking Danny Pink. More so. He's he's become – the relationship has become more and more realistic over time because we've seen them together more and the way they interact is uh, more plausible, both their anger and their – you know, even yelling at each other. They're yelling at each other because they care. If they didn't care, they're right. They would just go like, all right, that would better work out. You know, okay, whatever, you know. The um – the we we got a scene with uh with Missy which is not the last scene she's been mm-hmm. appearing in last scenes a lot and this scene she is watching on a computer monitor or something she's watching the uh, solar flare thing and she says now that was surprising i love surprises and that's all we get which is mm-hmm. so uh, you know uh, just to pause pause it here and talk about this thing so Stephen Moffat has tried a lot of different story arc approaches, and so did Russell Davis beforehand. There's the, there's the you mentioned something and it's just leading to the conclusion, but it's not really adding anything to the story. There's the ladling in lots of plot points part of a, a story mm-hmm. arc. You can kind of you can and, and then that that's a there's a spectrum there, uh, the, the a continuum with those things. I think maybe on the on either end. Um, uh, I think. Stephen Moffat got a lot of grief from going way too deep into the story arc thing in Matt Smith's 
uh, second season, I think, especially yes. where where it was the with the astronaut and all that, and like almost every episode had something to do with the story arc and uh, and and Amy's pregnancy, and I mean all the things that have been going on. But um, I feel like to Bad Wolf, where it was almost felt like it was retcon. It wasn't even back. it wasn't even a story. It was just a thing that you might notice as a yeah. as a viewer. Then you watch it again. You're like, oh, they sprinkled this through. Right. Oh, through and, time and, and space. And like she said, yeah. The first Stephen Moffat season with Matt Smith, it was a mm-hmm. little like that, where where we saw little glimpses of and suggestions that Amy's story and the crack were important. Um, it was more than Bad Wolf, but it wasn't necessarily that every episode was about it. I would say that that um, and then they reacted to it last year with like it was all standalone episodes, and they, they tried very hard to have almost no story arc at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this season's story arc is essentially a series of scenes with Missy that are unresolved with this wink toward the fact that there's going to be something later. Um, And and I got to say, I don't really like it. I I think I'd almost rather just have Missy show up in episode 11 and maybe have some flashbacks to previous seasons, previous episodes this season and have it explained because she seems perfunctory and she is pointless for the actual episode has nothing to do with it. And it's just there almost like an ad for the season finale, like stay tuned and I'll explain who I am later. But for now, back to the episode. And I don't like it. I I, I don't see the point. I, I, it doesn't, it's not laying in dread or fear or, I mean, there at least in the first couple where she was retrieving people who were dead and telling them they were in heaven, there was some idea that this might be uh, an intriguing mystery and some story progression. But since then she's appeared occasionally and she isn't doing that anymore. She's just sort of making these pronouncements. And I find her really uninteresting. I actually, I'm at the point now where we're almost at the season finale when presumably my interest in her should be at its peak going into the finale and quite honestly at this point i i care the least about her i have ever cared i actually kind of hate her now i'm tired of her showing up saying cute things and disappearing so if if the purpose of missy dropping into these episodes completely pointlessly was to slake our our uh our thirst or not to slake our thirst to 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 drum up excitement for the finale it has it has uh, done the opposite where i'm actually really tired of missy and i wish she would go away which is the wrong attitude since her episodes are presumably the next two weeks. So I, I think this was um, mishandled badly. I, I And I also think if you're going to do something like this, why make it so much like the previous thing, right? It's yeah. like, I mean, I can't even remember that it's, you know, it hasn't been well, that long. She's not that, that different from the eyepatch lady, right? Yeah, I, try, I can't even remember the eyepatch lady's name. <laughs> Madame Kovarian. Yeah. yeah. She which, was apparently which, Armenian. I don't know. <laughs> I think that that worked because it was so unexpected. The little weird hatch opening and right. her sticking your face out, especially in some of the mythology episodes, it was creepy and interesting. And I thought it built up and you had yeah. more and more things being dropped and then it built more and more. And yeah, there was too much of the Amy pregnant, not pregnant thing. That's fine. And that, yeah. I, I thought that was overdone because it was the weird display. But that built up. And I by the end, I was like, I want to know what's going on because something is big here and they're not being cute. She's not saying cute things. She's opening up and saying, it's not time yet. She's not ready or whatever. And that was right. It. And you'd be like, what the hell was that? Is Amy hallucinating? Is something going on? In this case, I completely agree with you that it's is is cutesy. She seems slightly mentally ill. Mm-hmm. She does that little dance thing. It's like these pretty spaces. It's it, it's disorienting the people that have been captured, who are you know ostensibly uh, not you know not dead. They're mm-hmm. they've been snatched before the dead. We know it's not heaven. We think it's not heaven. Maybe it is heaven. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in that. That same space where I think uh, they could have handled it. If they were going to be this cute about it, they could have handled it much better. Instead, it feels like they're trying to build a series-long, you know, stay tuned for the exciting season yeah. finale of The Doctor well, Who. Uh, I, this is episode 10. So, you know, she's been in, I don't know, what, seven or eight of them yeah, in like one scene each. And here's, here's the other thing about this. I've liked, liked or loved... Um, all but maybe one or two episodes mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's one of the strongest seasons that the new series has done. I So it's funny where the this Missy stuff is... I actually kind of feel offended that this Missy stuff has gotten dropped into good episodes because I don't care about her. 
I, I find I'm finding her increasingly annoying, and it's almost like the final two episodes have reached back through the season and are trying to like exert themselves over episodes that are perfectly fine without them. Thank you very much. So I don't know. I, I, again, I, I think Moffat is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't because he's tried this all sorts of different ways. And I agree that that season, the second Matt Smith season, was overarched. It felt like yes. it was so twisty and, and turny, and you had to see every episode. And I, I. I totally get the reaction to that, but this it just seems cheap. It's like if you're if you're going to do a, a story arc over the season, do a story arc, even if it's light, have it be a story arc. But these Missy scenes are not a story arc. They don't they don't serve as a as an arc of anything. They're literally just ads for the finale. I also so. agree. We saw that um, we saw now that we've seen a little preview of the oh, first yeah. part of the finale. It's it looks. I mean, then it's like God. Are we doing the same thing as Clara? Like another river song who's been cultivated by an evil force that's trying I think to it's do a, a thing. I like, think it's oh. a I think it's a, a fake out, but without getting into the so. details in case people are not watching the the uh the next time. I mean definitely there's there's it's gonna looking, be a big two part yeah. finale and there's gonna be familiar monsters and Clara <laughs> and Danny are going to have you know, their stories are going to come to a resolution. I, I do hope, my biggest hope for the finales, the finale episodes, is that we we can look back on this season and these themes that we've been watching as we've been talking about them on this podcast throughout. The themes of, uh, you know, Clara's relationship to Danny versus the Doctor, uh, roles of soldiers, uh, the lies that Clara is telling to, to Danny, mm-hmm. what motivates Clara to, to stay with the Doctor, uh, am I a good man, what does it mean to be a good man versus being the Doctor, and are those in opposition or do those fit together somehow i what i my biggest hope for the season is that at the end of that 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 last episode we can look back at the story as a whole and say yes. that was the theme of this and this is how they resolved it so i really hope that happens because i would hate for it to be sort of like set up and then like well maybe we'll address that in a future season i want that's what this season is about the themes are all laid out there the last two episodes need to address it and resolve it even if there are plot threads hanging the theme need to be resolved so i have those I hopes agree. <clears throat> because right otherwise it's like well you know we don't need a whole season of red herrings it's okay if they appear to be red herrings and they come together at the end and it's satisfying and i think we have had some season finales that have been uh quite satisfying i mean i think the bad wolf i think the bad wolf arc was great yeah. it was fascinating it was a you know great finish out and um uh, and even uh, you know, even the destruction of the was the hidden earth and so forth. And sure. I mean, there were, there's some great arcs, especially where they're more subtle. And suddenly it comes together, or you see all the enemies at the end of a season in the same place. You're like, wait, they were all working together. All that stuff, I'm fine with. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly it. We need to have a near resolution. I have one more comment on the episode, by the way. If I yeah. can make about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got one more too. Well, we, we kind of de- detoured there, but go ahead. We, well, we're yeah, going to wrap well, back around to the very end of the episode. Yeah, we'll talk about the end. I was, one other thing I want to mention is, is uh, the Doctor dances, that two part arc, it was the, uh, what's the uh, Empty Child and the Doctor dances yeah. are the two parts, um, which are, maybe they didn't need to be two parts, but we meet, you know, Captain Jack, and they're, it's a really, I think, a little, very nice segment segment of that season the doctor dances it's the first time in the new reboot with uh you know with eccleston at that point where he's like everybody lives everybody lives and that's kind of you know we see so many episodes where good people die or things go awry and we're we're sort of unhappy about the whole scope of it or some of the deaths seem meaningless but in that episode at the end he raises his hands out he gathers all the nano you know technology and it's all glowing little sparkling things and he sort of you know, sends it out to all the people and heals them. And I thought there was such a resonance of that here with the little sparkly things. And at the end, everybody lives. The mm. doctor's like, oh, for Christ's sake, all those futures don't collapse. Everyone lives. He doesn't say it, but it's, I think, that same feeling of, oh, one episode in which you don't have a, you know, <laughs> something horrible happen. Right. Right. This is this is because they they have killed more people this season. But this is this is not that episode. This is the fable. This is the children's story episode. Yeah. And I want to call back to uh, a related subject is that the uh, when the when the bank is destroyed in uh, time heist. Time heist. Thank you. In Bank of Karabakos, when that's destroyed, you know, we the doctor didn't seem to be prepared for it to destroy the entire planet. 
and neither did the people involved. And we thought that was a little desultory, right? That that I know you guys were talking about that on the flashcast. I thought it's a little strange that the whole planet was actually burned up. And then this is this episode. The doctor mentions it, not like I didn't expect it, but more like he calls back to that. Well, you remember when that happened? Then Missy is looking at it on the screen. So I'm hoping there's a payoff from uh-huh. giant solar flares too. I don't know. Uh, maybe so. So the last scene of this uh, episode is uh, Maeve and her mom go home, and there are eyes looking out from a bush and the bush vanishes like all the other trees and her sister is back and Maeve says I knew she would I knew she would be back um you know I like to I like to um, put my critical analysis of Doctor Who into into very specific contexts in this case for this scene all I can really say is <laughs> thank you this is just uh, I, I mean so an episode that I really liked I loved up to about half an hour in, and then I liked until the last scene. The last scene is it's it's awful. It's just it, it's a stinker. It's a oh clunker, and and, it and it's terrible. too bad because I like I like the episode. I'm going to say overall, I think this episode's a winner. Yep. But this, you know, this is completely unearned. Completely unearned. It is a cheap ending. It, Saying she was missing throughout the episode is not earning her return. If they had said, if the the trees right. had whispered to her and said, you know, we we know where your sister is and we are sending her back or something, where it was where it was part of the story was that the trees retrieved her or they reassembled her or they moved her in time or whatever it was, or she if, was linked to her sister. Her sister was yeah. helping make it happen, and she was the the controller behind it. The trees sure. to blah blah blah. You just have to earn right? it, but to just Anything. say, oh. And I mean, it's literally like uh, there's a great uh, there's a Simpsons episode where uh, they end up uh, all the kids end up on an island and it's like the Lord of the Flies. And the very last line of the episode is narrated by James Earl Jones. The very last line of the episode is and then one day they were saved by, oh, let's say Mo. And that's the end. Right. That was that was this ending. This was like and her sister was alive and it's fine. The end. Yeah. Well, this is also the end of Robot <sighs> and Sherwood, too. They did the same thing. Is a red-haired woman yeah. is revealed by something disappearing. There and she no is. Knows, Yay. We don't even know where Maid Marian was in that episode. And then it's like, I've got a gift for him. And the TARDIS disappears and there she it's is. A it's a like, oh, lady. Oh, uh, lady yeah, is a gift. That's the, um, yeah, so that, that, I, it's, sour, it's a sour ending for me because it was so sweet, because it is unearned, because yes. I think, I think having the mother and the, and the daughter reunited with, with the sister is, uh, is fine. That's a, that's a lovely ending if you earn it, but to just have her appear if without any explanation it, this is the reverse of the uh, girlfriend in the refrigerator uh you know exploitative plot element in video games this is like the magically reappearing lost uh, uh always a female lost who's returned for no explicable reason yeah because it's the same because it's because it's, it's a nice end emotional, yeah it's a re- emotional string jerking of a different kind yeah it, exactly ending. everybody's supposed to be happy and it's a happy ending but if the happy ending comes yeah. out of nowhere without anything anything earned it, it is it, it's just empty calories yeah. it Thank has no value because I, I agreed i saw that, I that. It, just, <laughs> it also was shot lamely it was a second unit shot and it was just this silly it's yeah. like okay everything's disappeared except one bush and honestly that scene didn't need to be there that that's the other thing is i felt like that scene was completely unnecessary and pandering well, and well, awful. They didn't, anyone, they didn't want anyone to die, and the, the missing right. sister ostensibly was dead somewhere or kidnapped. So they made it so that no one died. Yeah, I want the ending should be um, first off. We'll take Missy out. We'll take that ending out, and then the previous scene where where uh, the doctor says, "Oh, human, your human superpower is forgetting. You remember the fear. You put it in your yeah, fairy stories. Great. All of that. Uh, you know that was the end. Yeah. The the so anyway. You know so. This episode, in the Forest of the Night, I I liked it, um, but it was a fascinating comparison between thinking this is about as good as Doctor Who can be in this in this vein for the first half hour, and then um, it went back to being kind of un, you know not surprisingly average because you got to resolve things. The you've got to get you can't just like well wasn't that a fun little idea and then move on to the next thing you do have to sort of explain why it was there and have them resolve it that has to happen in a story so i get that you come down a little bit off that peak um and then at the very end with missy and with the sister returning um randomly i uh it lost me there so i'm gonna say it's generally a thumbs up really good episode but um it is it is a Greatness is stolen away from it by uh, some of the decisions at the end. Yeah, I, I agree entirely with your assessment. I think uh, I did have tear-jerking moments in the second half. Yeah, when yeah, yeah. That, but it was, um, I would say, it it was a solid entry. 
it was enjoyable to watch. Um, I, you know, I had a few cavils as as you did, and uh, it's not a classic. Didn't like, listen, I think will be a classic. I'll, I think it'll. I think listen over time will be a classic because it stands on its own and it's creepy and fascinating by itself, just like uh, Midnight. Right. I mean, you don't need to watch. You, you don't know a little bit about Doctor Who to watch Midnight, but not much. And and you could just watch that and listen. Those could be two of the best examples of that kind of thing in the entire show's run. But uh, this time, yeah, I think I think so. I just wanted it, it was less satisfying. Here's the thing. We already have a companion who's supposed to be the proxy for us. And then you have sort of the companion's boyfriend who is like a proxy for the dubiousness about, the, you know, the companion. And the doctor is supposed to know more than we do. And sometimes he's daft and sometimes he overlooks things. And that's okay. I don't – I want the showrunner. I want the script to be smarter than me or cleverer than me. I don't want to guess. Even as I'm trying to guess, I want to be flummoxed at least somewhat. I don't want halfway through to say, oh, you just told me the answer, you know. They could have thrown us off, and they didn't. They tried a few. They tried quite a bit, and then they just gave us the answer. And it, because these shows are a bit of a puzzle, and especially ones like this with a little bit of a clockwork plot, where everything has to, you know, sort of fit together and then tie up, and, and the bell goes ding at the end. I I want it to be more clever, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it, it, it's not, it's not a classic, but um, it was. It had its moments. I was really, uh, I was, I was entranced, and it just sort of the spell broke, and uh, that happens. That's okay. I, th- I still think this has been one of the stronger seasons, if if not the strongest season since uh, the show came back. Yeah. And I did like the kids. I felt they really made good use of them, as opposed to them being props. They had oh, personalities. Yeah. They had things going on. The kids were also, all characters. Out, this is the thing. Like you know, in America, to have that lineup and those kinds of kids, both the way they looked, like physically beautiful or not, like they were average looking. I mean, they're attractive kids, but but average looking. They weren't all. You know, and, and there was no fashion issue. It, the the mixture of you know races and mixed race kids, and you're like in America. Can you imagine the number of meetings it would have taken to assemble that kid cast <laughs> to be perfect? Instead, this is like this to me looks like probably a slightly better looking version of what an average London classroom looks yeah. like. And they acted like the kids in that scenario. I know these kinds of kids. I, I was agree. that kind of kid. And I was like, it was. I thought that was a really nicely done little bit of the show that that really paid off. I agree. The kids. Uh, the kids did, did great. Good job, kids. It's Good not job, your kids. fault that the last scene was dumb. <laughs> Only one of them was in that Only scene. Only one of them was in that scene. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, onward to the finale then. Uh, yeah, that that's uh, next week. We saw it. We're not going to spoil it for you if you didn't watch the next time trailer, but the crazy, crazy stuff will happen in Dark Water starting next week by Stephen Moffat and then continuing the following week in Death in Heaven. These are the final two episodes of this season. Sad, although we'll get a is, Christmas special too. Is David Lynch making that Death in Heaven episode? Because I think that would be pretty great. Unfortunately, no. Although oh. although uh, the director of the finale of both episodes is uh, is Rachel Talalay, I think her name is, mm-hmm. who is a, who is a uh, an interesting director who's directed uh, film movies, uh, she's also or like films, not just TV movies, but films, uh, and uh, produced some stuff too. So she's done and, and done a bunch of TV. So she's, okay. uh, it looks good. The, you know, one, one very final thing is I think the look of this season has been fantastic. I agree, and that's been great. I mean, the set, the, like the production value, even the stuff that's supposed to, like the stuff that's supposed to look cheesy, it looks perfectly cheesy in the right way. Even with the the Orient Express one or the Time Heist, and the stuff that's supposed to look good looks really good most of the time. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is also our. Uh, is this our first woman director in a while in this episode? Oh, I think I think it was uh, Cherie Folkson. So and then Rachel Talley the next two weeks. So uh, women directors to close out the season two, which is good to see. A good thing. All right, Glenn. Thank you for talking Doctor Who with me again. A pleasure to be here. And we'll be back next week with another Doctor Who recap after Dark Water, and we'll all be blown away by the cliffhanger of going into the final episode. But we'll have to wait a week for that. Thanks for listening to TV. We'll see you next time.